Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingser. We are here to inspire and empower leaders in the hospitality and restaurant industry to unleash the true potential of their organization, team, and people. In today's podcast, I'm honored to have David Chenery, the founder and director of Object Space Place, an architecture and design company with focus on hospitality and restaurant businesses. They have been involved in projects with the likes of Chipotle and many other great brands. I sat down with David to talk about the power of design on the employee and customer experience, the current status of the industry from their view, and how tech is becoming an even bigger part of the industry. So grab your drink and enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast, David. Thanks very much, Michael. It's nice to be back in Brighton. Yeah, and thank you for coming down. It's always nice to have a guest traveling from, from London down to talk about hospitality and restaurants. So thank you very much for coming. No problem. It's a nice sunny day after all, and uh, escaping the big smoke is <laughs> never a bad thing. I wanted to uh, talk with you a bit about today about your story, a bit about okay. what your business is all about, mm-hmm. what you're trying to accomplish in the, in the hospitality industry. I grew up in Bournemouth actually, um, and then moved to Brighton to do my degree in interior architecture. That was a good 15 odd years ago. And then, like most people, got drawn to the bright lights and promised land of London for work. Ended up in a few different kind of quite large design agencies, one called Conran Design Group, where I really cut my teeth, I suppose, on the commercial side of interior design and branded environments. So working for big companies like Shell and Cable and Wireless and people like this, um, a lot of retail projects in those. And then after those four years, I felt my learning curve was sort of tailing off. And then I moved to another design agency called Coldermore, a lot more focused on, I guess, some hospitality projects, um, restaurants, hair salons, more international work, department stores in Dubai and things like that really. And then after that, I moved on to actually went to go client side. I went to Westfield to get a completely different experience, opening Stratford as a design manager there, which was a very intense uh, year and a half um, working with a number of tenants and getting that on on board. Very enjoyable, learned a lot, but really made me realize I was not going to be cut out to work for a big company for a long time. The politics and the uh, inefficiency would just drive me crazy. I had a couple of clients I'd worked with previously who were kind of keen to carry on working with me and someone said once that the best way to start a company is or you should only start a company if someone's actually asking you to do it so I sort of took that as a sign and set up OSP working initially on the new Chipotle stores in the UK and also um, a hair salon client we worked with called Gilly Green that was quite good and then we just got gradually grew from there really took on a new designer my business partner came on board after a year or two doing good work and growing got to about five people and then I'd say about five years in we we hit the kind of standard or what I now know to be a standard problem in design agency world where you kind of just grow through word of mouth and trying to be be good at what you do without a strong marketing plan and which is a fantastic idea right up until the point when it's a really bad idea Uh, and some of your projects naturally come to the end of their cycle at that point we were really kind of a general design agency we were doing retail and we were doing a bit of residential some hospitality obviously within that and at that point having kind of had to let a few designers go we really sat back and thought well what are we about what do we really care about and what can we focus on as we look to to take our business forward and what we're about so 
what we really boiled that down to after a good amount of thinking about our proposition and what we what we were interested in was interior architecture for hospitality for several reasons really i'm naturally quite a foodie i really have always enjoyed food great memories of going to restaurants or finding out about new chefs or seeing what's going on with that that was a an initial intuitive draw there's something about hospitality that's really a people business and that focus on you know being uplifting as an experience for people i just don't feel naturally i get as much from things like retail for me that draw of creating an environment that somebody is going to come in and share a meal with their family or friends uh, or just have a coffee to escape their day-to-day that creation of a space to support that moment is just gives a great deal of pleasure to be honest um so i think trying to really create a a space that delivers on that experience is what we really care about so we came to the conclusion that our mission i do mean mission because it's a little bit obsessive to be honest (laughs) and we're slightly obsessed with the idea of hospitality and, and designing for it but our mission is to set the stage for the best hospitality experiences in the world so as a design agency as an architect that's what we are what we set about doing about two years ago and we're kind of dedicating ourselves to learning everything we can about how design fits into hospitality how we deliver the best customer experience and yeah what we can do to be the best we can do so you become a student yes absolutely no a, a very dedicated student and i think there's always a danger when people call themselves experts you're almost saying that you're kind of complete and that you that you know it and you understand and i think whilst we have a lot of expertise i'm again quite obsessed now with this idea of continuous learning and striving for that excellence we've, we've started a project called the restaurant odyssey which you may have come across on on linkedin where we identified the 26 best restaurants in london which we did based on a few different metrics so we combined timeout reviews with the michelin guide with hot dinners with TripAdvisor, so a few critical and a few crowdsourced i guess or kind of public opinion sources and then we aggregated those together into what we thought were the most successful restaurants and then we've been now for the past sort of four or five months going to visit a new one every every two weeks and seeing what we can learn mapping out the experience what we think is good what we think is not good where we think the opportunities are and trying to really understand in a way we can articulate intelligently what it is that makes a great restaurant experience so that's part of our commitment to that constant learning i suppose which hopefully also i mean then we've us out on LinkedIn and we're sharing with people and people seem to be getting a lot of value from that so far but if we can do that then we are best placed to help people elevate their own customer experience I think. Was it a tough decision to go from you know you have to say no then to some customers I guess when you want to focus on a specific thing and be really good at it? I think in the creative field creative agencies we are generally particularly bad at saying no to opportunity we we're quite greedy we like to apply our creative skills to lots of new things because often creatives get quite bored so like designing a a shop designing a restaurant designing an office designing um, some residential architecture all of those are interesting creative problems to solve there's um, a guy that writes about expertise called David C. Baker in America and he's wrote a book called The Business of Expertise and he makes a statement that once you've really tasted true competence you never go back to that kind of generalised incompetence and I think <laughs> obviously he you know, kind of 
exaggerating a little bit there, but the idea that specialising is not is not going to be a negative thing at all. In fact, it's it's a positive because when you get into the niche, you actually realise that there is more and more and more depth to learn within that, and you can offer so much more than a general approach to design. Um, hence, why we're now so focused on the other parts of the puzzle even the bits that we can't control we you know we very specifically are about interior architecture for hospitality but we know that that fits into a bigger picture of delivering customer experience um, laura sitwell's book bespoke was a very interesting read for me as well because she highlights the the 19 different steps of a customer experience now that's the first time i saw i'd seen someone write that all down and kind of play that out i think her, her whole point about personalization is really prescient as well and i can see if that's the direction the industry's going to go in but the point about mapping the customer experience i've taken that now i did a blog post recently which again you can find on linkedin or anyone wants, yeah. wants to find that it's, can it's see great, that. it's a great article and camilla sitwell's book as well and she was on the podcast as yeah, well. Definitely yeah, yeah. Worth starting thinking about how your map yeah, experience I, I look at it from a design perspective and, and I was always a little bit hesitant. I mean, you get some designers who will say, we'll change the design and this will completely shape your customer experience. But if you look at those 19 steps, only five of them really are the interior design. So how can you claim to be affecting the entire customer experience if you're only touching five steps? And I think the interesting thing about customer experience is it's actually made up of five different disciplines. And now that's kind of the analysis I took from Camilla's work. Um, so you've got, you know, finding the right location, I think is a discipline on its own. <laughs> then you've got marketing, then you've got the, the food and drink offer itself your people, the staff and service, and then finally design. And I think design, you know, is a massively important and a very tangible part of that. I found it very interesting to now look at businesses and hospitality businesses and see which ones are doing well on design and which ones are falling down on, on other parts. What I've seen gone wrong, and I don't know about your view, there's one thing is the customer journey, and then is that how do you make work work? How do you become effective within that business? Because you mentioned Chipotle. When you design Chipotle's, I, in my view, think one thing customer experience, but mm. also think productivity. Mm. It's a curious mm. C business, you know. Yeah, be, they think of, businesses. it has to be fast, you know. They think of it as a machine. I mean, yeah. like the lunchtime throughput is, is everything, and the queue line and how you manage that. Yeah. You know, they really understand the product that they've got. And they've, you know, in my experience of having worked with Chipotle and gone over to Florida for supplier conferences and, and see how they how they live and breathe what they do, they do manage to combine that convenient speed with a genuine purpose. I know they've had their problems in the last couple of years and the E.C.O.L.A. outbreak in America and all that stuff. And over here, they probably haven't managed to get a foothold as much as they thought they would um, against people like Chilango and Tortilla. But I've found them a massively inspiring organization. It's the first big company that I'd worked with where I could feel culture coming through in every person I dealt with in that company. It was uh, very, very interesting. And, and then there's also, you know, when you go into maybe a little go out for dinner it's a sit down dinner and the experience has to be off the scale so it's all the crazy things that's developed there you know it's uh, the plants hanging down from the walls and stuff like that where again i guess it's what you expect as a customer as well from the price point you are wanting to achieve as well yeah i think you you tailor the experience or tailor the design to the experience you want to create and i think for me i, I always think of two different metrics when i'm thinking about the experience and it applies to everything even through to technology which i guess we can come on to a bit later but if i'm thinking about a quality of the space is is it going to 
add more convenience or is it going to add more joy that's an interesting way to filter out um, ideas you're looking at doing and i think the more high end you go the more joy that needs to bring you know there's a kind of michelin starred restaurant is is an unnecessary luxury in in the in the context of the world but you go there assuming you're not going there for sort of status showing off reasons you're going there to have a special meal cooked by a fantastic chef and their team and delivered an environment that makes you feel special when you're delivering you know from from my research so far with the restaurant odyssey if you map out those experiences you can really see how they are pushing each of those 19 steps to be as excellent as possible they're they're just not accepting anything even average in most of those locations. When you're operating more in the casual dining or the the QSR, I think actually you're not pushing all of those 19 steps as hard. You don't necessarily need to. Um, If you look at Padella, for example, Borough Market, it's a fantastic location. I mean, really, that's an incredible location. And the way they've managed the design with the awning, which is effectively that 50% of their shop front is a sign, but they've done it in a way that does, doesn't look cheap, is, is, a, is a big deal. So they've got a fantastic location. The food is authentic, stripped back, well-priced, and they have a natural queue out the door every single day. It took me about three times before I could even get in there. So they haven't, but their service, the staff service is perfectly fine. It's average there's no marketing pre-visit and post-visit in that there is i don't book you can't book so they've got no they've got none of my data they don't even know i've ever been but they rely on great social media great reviews and then when you go there the food is food is great and it's inexpensive and it's in a good location so they've maximized some of those variables that will make the biggest difference to them i think that is the difference between qsr or the casual dining concepts compared to fine dining is you have to push further so one thing we talked about all the touch points, I guess that, as you say, they choose some of them, but I guess they need to deliver on all of them, as you mentioned before as well. Then I guess it's about knowing which one do you dial up and which one do you dial down? Where is the focus every day? Which one do we need to deliver excellence on day in and day out? Yeah, and I think that is something that you will definitely tailor for each individual concept that you work on. You'll know which ones you need to be excellent on to, to tell that story and deliver that experience. I think where a lot of places go wrong is they put too big an emphasis on the wrong area. A classic one is design, actually, where people will go all out and spend the money and design a fantastic-looking restaurant, but then they try and open within three days of finishing the fit-out with untrained staff, um, people who've been hired at the last minute, and you end up with apathetic staff who aren't very well-trained and don't deliver a great experience. In most situations, that is a very bad move. The only place that's actually going to work is if you're in a tourist trap location where you get people coming for the first time, they see it a great design, they come in, they're not happy, they go away. But that's not really the business model that anyone really should be aspiring towards. So yeah, I do think you need to set a certain benchmark across all of them, and then it's really a case of working out where you excel. And excel also doesn't doesn't necessarily mean the same thing for each concept. A great design for a Michelin-starred restaurant is probably going to be a lot more expensive than a great design in the context of a pop-up food truck, for example. I think knowing what excellence is for for your concept is one of the key things to try and work out. Although I think most people can't get to that until they've really worked out what their purpose is. So that was interesting because that was what's popping up in my thought thread when you said that. So what do you mean by they need to figure out their purpose? They just need to open a restaurant in a great location with some great food, don't they? Well, if that if that is their purpose, if that is um there's a great branding guy called Robert 
Bean, I don't know if you've come across him. So he talks about the single organizing principle. There's a a really good podcast he did with Shamil Thakra from Dishoom, where they talk about the kind of the culture and how they develop. Fantastic. Really inspiring to hear about how they develop that that kind of culture and they've got a very clear direction to, to build everything around. If you don't know why you're starting the business and what you're trying to do, you've got no direction to build goals around. It's the first thing we would do, even as designers coming in, is, okay, is this your first restaurant? Okay, why do you want to open a restaurant? What's the concept? What's the food? Where do you want to be in three years' time? How are you going to employ the staff? Are they, you know, how are people going to be interested? Why should someone care? The world doesn't need more restaurants. London does not need any more restaurants. We need better restaurants mm-hmm. that fit into uh, different niches and support different people. And history is littered with people who've tried to open a hospitality business realized that it is relentlessly difficult and then you know lost a lot of money and gone off and done something else so i think if you can find that purpose and that purpose could be i want to open a fantastic local brasserie um, or a local breakfast place that serves my community and that's the ambition it doesn't have to be let's change the world or let's create the next vegan burger concept that I can roll out globally. Having a purpose doesn't have to be ambitious in terms of wanting to change everything or even it doesn't have to be necessarily altruistic. You know, I don't think it has to have that, that kind of quality, but it's just really knowing what it is you're trying to do. One of our clients is called Pastor Emily. They make fantastic fresh pasta cooked to order very fast. They want to bring that to people as much as possible. Um, in London and we work on this sort of fourth restaurant now they're not about trying to create a restaurant that would serve all kinds of Italian cuisine possible they want to just do the best fresh pasta cooked quickly that you can you know, come and get and take away so they, they kind of know what, what they are about because of that you know Dishoom have that with their culture as well I think it's a very interesting thing you bring up because when we similar work with clients we ask that question again mm. why do you have to set up why do you need more of you if you want often they want to scale their business and move on? And you quite quickly find out when you start to ask this question, there's maybe the founder know why, but the rest of the organization mm. don't know. They mm. haven't been able to do what you mentioned, issue, do that storytelling inside the organization. Mm. So they really understand this is the reason why we do what we do mm. and why we're focusing on the things we're focusing on. Yeah. Coming back to the touch points we talked about before. Yeah, and it's also interesting hearing about Dishoom because you actually realize that they're still continuing that journey. They're evolving that purpose. You know, um, they actually said in that podcast that the first space they designed, the first restaurant, actually looking back, doesn't really reflect, didn't capture their culture enough but then the second one they really felt that it did because it delivered on that concept of what they were trying to do so i do think finding and defining a purpose is both difficult but also not something that's ever going to be done i think you've got to be pushing forward yeah absolutely and i think it's like um like you know simon sinek says about the difference between playing the finite game and the infinite game you've got to be in this to be constantly learning and getting better and improving because it's particularly in around London it's ferocious and if you're not moving forwards then you're going backwards and that could be a big 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 challenge I think we've seen um, you know a lot over the last few years with 
businesses that very clearly were playing the finite game, which was, you know, grow it to 30, sell it to a venture capital company, grow it by another 30, sell it to another one. And they've scaled to the point of mediocrity. I remember going to Jamie's Italian when it first opened at Westwood Stratford and being really impressed with the quality of the food. That was sort of seven, eight years ago. And then sort of four years later, stopping by one in, in Reading with my business partner and, and saw that they had a, a burger on the menu. It's like, what, what, are you, what are you doing, guys? What's that got to do with Jamie's Italian? Um, and not even the good burger. We ordered it out of pure curiosity in case it was some fantastic new invention that, <laughs> that Jamie had come up with. It was probably one of the worst, most average burgers I've ever seen produced by a restaurant. Why are they even selling it? They completely lost, lost their way. The focus was just on scaling rather than being excellent. And I think that's a big problem with businesses that want to get to scale is that, that they become this kind of yeah, it becomes about scale rather than excellence. And I think if you if you confuse those things, you're in for a, a tough time. We, we do a lot of work on studying the most successful within the industry, not only from internal point of view, but also what they do in, in the market. And you can see the one that's still here when the storms disappear. So we have a perfect storm now, we mm. had one 10 years ago. They're the one that just slowly but incremental improve over time mm. and you mentioned Chipotle mm. as well then we think they had tough times mm. but again they come back because mm. the culture is so strong mm. the purpose is so strong mm. even the one of my old employer McDonald's you see they've gone through times but because the business has a strong direction and mm. purpose of what they want to do they come back and have an excellent culture again and you see that in other smaller restaurants as well they will thrive no matter the environment they're in mm. They will maybe have less on the bottom line, but they will still have a bottom line. And they will not just die because there was no... It's faceless businesses, what we're talking about when you just... Yeah, say, definitely. There's no, no like, there's no deeper meaning for an employee or customer to go visit that place. So yeah, I agree with that. So, so when you work with people, what journey do you take them on? So you said you start asking them, what is the why? And how, how would that process look if you wanted to help them create, you know, an amazing hospitality experience? Yeah, I, I guess it would naturally be tailored to where they were. Is it the first restaurant they've ever had? Is it a new restaurant, but they've owned restaurants previously? Do they have three restaurants and they're not quite sure how they move forward or what their DNA is or what they're about? I think most agencies would, and architects would probably follow a similar process, although many package it up into different proprietary processes but really it comes down to asking the right questions relentlessly before you come to any conclusions I think the worst thing you can do is try and diagnose the problem without really understanding what's there so understanding what the definition of success is which is different for everyone obviously financial results is part of that but what else what's the what's the point what's the meaning where do you want to be in three years time and then really I guess gathering information off the back of that who else is doing this well what is the concept about um, is this fast casual is this fine dining what area are you looking to go in if you've got a geographic location what's around there if you're looking at a particular building what are the challenges with that building how can we really start to express your concept within that if you've done the gathering stage then really it's down to defining the proposition the DNA I'm quite keen that we always look to define the DNA of, of someone's space now if they've already got graphics and branding or they've got previous sites then they may have an idea of what that is but I think our goal is to really hone that down into you know one sentence or a few words that really captures who they are part of the restaurant odyssey experience is, is going for me trying to tease out what that is in places that have already existed so Lyle's restaurant for example is for me all about stripped back excellence that's the core of that and you can feel it in 
the quality of the food, how they source everything, the way they've dealt with the environment, the the service, their wine list, everything kind of delivers on that DNA. So we would want to identify what that DNA is and then we use that to start proposing with the design solutions around that. So what is the best customer experience that's gonna deliver against that DNA? How much of it can we control? And how much of it is gonna be down to your marketing, down to your staff, down to your food, the quality of the menu, all of those kind of questions. And then from there, you've got concept design, you've got visuals, and then it's detailed drawings and dealing with the contractor to make sure it's implemented correctly and working on site. And then I think really importantly, your process should then start again. You ask questions again, you get the first one open. I think there's a myth often that people think that the hard part is getting the restaurant open. And I think that's when the hard parts really starts because you're opening if it's your first restaurant it's a prototype if you're lucky and you've done the process well it'll probably be 80 percent right I because call it, i call it the feedback machine yeah so. that's, that's an interesting way of thinking of it yeah i think so if you're lucky it's 80 percent done or 80 percent working shall we say not done and you know you'll open and you'll realize that some of the menu items don't sell or some of the seating types you thought would be really popular aren't as popular or some of the lighting didn't didn't quite do the job you wanted to or your staff aren't quite trained as as well as you want them to so you're constantly pushing from a design perspective but from every aspect of the hospitality operation and then you you should be asking those questions again and then you should be gathering information and then you should go through that process again as applied to that one site if you then as many of our kind of clients want to do multiple sites really i think the the best cycle is that by the second restaurant you'd want to be sort of 95 percent sure of the dna and how it applied and then you'd want to say okay we really understand the dna and how it applies to the third restaurant now that doesn't mean that you then just hit copy paste and hope it's all done because again i think that's where people have a come unstuck um we, we all particularly you know type a personalities that want to really understand something get it done and move on to the next challenge it doesn't really work that way i think you need to take a considered approach to how you're going to put your concept into every different location maybe at best again three quarters of the concept will be perfect for the next space but you probably want to tailor the design to the architecture. What is the local demographic? Is it going to be more families in here? So therefore, we need to adjust the design to suit more families. Really interesting, actually, listening to the podcast about sticks and sushi and their yeah, approach. Awesome, yeah. yeah, about the idea that they're not they're not rolling out. They're in a considered fashion doing one restaurant after the other. And I think that you need to allow for that level of intelligence and kind of considered approach and making sure you get everyone right. The great thing is it takes time. Of course. And I think you still need to be efficient within that. You still need to work fast. You know, speed is your friend in business. But chaotic speed is not your friend at all. Firefighting. Yeah, exactly. You see often in many restaurant businesses because they haven't caught up with what they just done. Exactly. And I think setting the right foundations and being disciplined enough to be able to make clear decisions is where the people that do really well. I mean, looking from the outside, I don't know the guys from um, Honest Burger, but having experienced the operation, it it seems very well run. Their growth and how they've got a very clear idea of the DNA of their brand, they've done a great job of rolling that out. Similarly, actually, I think Franco Manka have done a fantastic job from from a customer experience point of view. I mean, they're up to 45 sites now. I really like the core idea of what they've done I, st- I still think their pizzas are great and the different locations really deliver on that dna of slightly undesigned kind of trendy quite cool kind of approach to everything and, it, and the dial on the right touch points for yeah. their concept they're very aware about what is that yeah they need to do on 
that journey from yeah. to the door and all. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Even on Great the example. even on the in- interface on their website, if you order a you know, there's one around the corner from us in Bermondsey, so our office in London Bridge. So sometimes you you know you're working and you just get <laughs> you get a pizza, but the the interface to order the pizza is very simple, stripped back, entirely on brand, and just feels effortless. Doesn't feel like you're being thrown onto a different platform that doesn't relate to their brand so that they really control that experience really really well what you said there as well was really interesting just made my mind ponder as well because when you get you know you get your first one open you're successful everybody's happy mm. let's run to the next one mm. and i often talk to people about so why were your success yeah and sometimes they don't have an answer to that because they never made that reflection on what was it that makes really well was actually were we a bit lucky with some of the people we hired or was it the way we trained was yeah. it the way we designed was it our menu that worked really well yeah I, I think yeah there's there's a there's a dark art in there and there's a lot of research would need to be done to kind of really unpick all of that and I'm sure you guys are, are kind of studying that particularly yourselves there is a, a kind of human bias that whenever we do anything that is successful that we think that the reason we're successful is because of everything we did the way that we did it that starts to kind of calcify the thinking rather than being open to what you may have been wrong about or what could be improved you know you sh- I think you should always be thinking well how can the next one be better you've got to be thinking about pushing forward rather than oh we solved that we know how that works let's put that one in over there and that will be the same I just don't think that that's a scalable way to to run a business. Now, I'm sure there will be some very large companies, you know, McDonald's clearly works off of systems and you'll know much better than me about um, but that. Would you say that was a copy and paste approach though? Or is there is there a considered... There's nine concepts when I was there. I don't know what yeah. it is today, but those nine concepts are a bit like your you go, you choose your concept yeah. that will work for Fine. the demographic, the yeah. area. They have a lot of research into that. Yeah. Colors, digital has changed a lot in the mm. in the business as well. Mm. The digital so there's a team doing mm. nothing else than studying customer behavior and employee mm. efficiency to build the best restaurant. So. Mm. And they make it a lot, you know, so you're right. What was interesting thing, I had a conversation or podcast interview with Nisha that's coming here in July as well, where she was t- talking about how they open restaurants. And the interesting way she was that she always wanted to make the next place better than the previous one. Yeah. And once she did that, she will apply the new things she's done better and go back to the estate and improved the state all the way down. Definitely. No, I think that that attitude of, is it um, Kaizen, the Japanese word for constant improvement? I think that that philosophy is really key to being being successful. I mean, I just recently read Isidore Sharp's book, Four Seasons, Story of Business Philosophy, and, and that, that was the Four Seasons approach to every project, was yeah. how can we make this the next level up on what we do? We take the same approach from our own business as a design agency. We want every project, whether it's for the same client or a different client, to be even better. How can we do a better job? How can we know more? How can we optimize the experience, whether it's you know on a kind of the more mundane or the operational side of things or the marketing how can we give more space for marketing how can we uh, make a customer feel more special by adding one small detail here how can we challenge assumptions we've made before do something different but yeah that constant striving for for excellence i think is what you need to do in in this business to avoid going backwards i think you said something interesting as well i call the ds curve you start as a startup business then you go into growth Mm. and then you go into a bit maturity and then you need to reinvent yourself mm. 
and then you need to have your laws go from a mindset point of view an approach and the way you do things go back to startup mindset mm. have you seen that as a designer as well like a, a larger organization that really have to go back and reinvent some things that's very interesting i don't know if i could pinpoint an example that that did support that actually from a design perspective, there is a kind of common idea that a lot of restaurants, you would look to refit them every five years or five to seven years is the kind of average duration of a fit out. That should be done really on the basis that if you are evolving and tailoring your offer and changing over time, that that space is going to start to become tired and not really reflect who you are and what your identity is. Whether they need to go back to a startup mentality, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's, there is a challenge, obviously, in the bigger companies get, the more people within those businesses operate in silos and they become task focused. You know, psychologically, the kind of people that work for a startup and the kind of people that work for a, a scale business tend to be polar opposites in terms of their thinking. The real trick for great businesses, hospitality or otherwise, is maintaining that yearning for innovation and development for excellence whilst also having the people that can deliver on the detail and the, the implementation side of things. It's really interesting when you talk about implementation mm. because I guess one thing is to get a design beautiful done. Mm -hmm. Another thing is bringing it to life. Oh, 100%. It's one of the areas that, again, is this idea that people think something's done. Nothing is ever done. When we do great visuals for a concept, now they're done to a very detailed level, but you still need to do the next level of detail, the detailed drawings, um, you know, where you start looking at how it coordinates with MEP services, exactly what the lighting levels are, exactly every finish and material detail. But even when you've done those, if you hand those to the contractor and walk away and we don't do the contract liaison piece when you're on site, there's still going to be a gap because stuff happens. There are surprises. The materials can't be ordered in time or um, they uncover something on site and you need to adapt. You know, we talk about um, two of our main real tenets of what we're about are the combination of storytelling. So we want to tell the story of the client um, through the customer experience and then craftsmanship. So how we deliver that story in an environment that to a level of craftsmanship that suits what they're doing now craftsmanship doesn't have to be again super high-end cabinetry if that doesn't suit the concept but it's about considering exactly how everything goes together in a deliberate way and if you don't control how that design is implemented on site then some of that deliberateness can disappear away. Particularly building on site is, can be one of the most stressful things, stressful parts of a project, particularly for a client that's not used to that scale of development. It can feel a bit out of control sometimes. There are deadlines to be open. It also coincides with hiring staff, doing marketing campaigns. It's a very challenging time. So sometimes decisions can be made very emotionally <laughs> and very quickly or driven by cost. And I think our job and, and you know, the skill of a, a good, good designer or architect is being able to take the big picture view of okay well the very first conversation we had you talked about this purpose and this point that you wanted to the point of your restaurant was was x and we translate that into a dna the reason for why people would come here and how that experience is going to play out and if we need to make decisions all the way down particularly as ones on site we need to still make sure that we're not changed you just choosing arbitrarily between oh we can't get these tiles let's get those those ones we need to understand why we're making that decision back to the core logic we set up at the beginning and that's where that idea of implementation being on site it's a little bit hard to explain sometimes um, because they kind of think surely you've done the design by now there's a real value in not losing in translation that design idea again you come back to your purpose again i guess you need to go back and check the why you oh 100 of that business because yeah exactly if, if that tile doesn't reflect that story or 
support that story because it's funny when you say storytelling I often say that yeah, the one thing is scaling the physical estate mm. that's a skill you can train that you can buy buy yourself to that if you have enough money uh, another thing is scaling your story because then it, actually all the other stuff becomes easier when you get that right that's where you get culture from I mean I the word storytelling for me is a very positive one I think some people can think of that as a sort of cynical veneer that you know a business wraps around itself to try and be something other than what it is but I think if the story is authentic and it's derived from the core idea of the business and the founders you know live and breathe that that's a really positive thing and the reason you really want to have that in is that it can remove the pain of subjectivity in some of those decisions so particularly if you've got more than one decision maker involved if you have this idea this DNA that everyone has bought into and understand, then you can appeal back to that as the reason for making decisions rather than, do you know what, um, my husband really doesn't like green, so can we can we lose that from the from the scheme? Well, that's not really relevant. That suits this DNA because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, that's obviously quite an arbitrary example, but that's the principle of why you want to do it. You want to set up something which can act as a filter that everyone can see and understand and get to a, an end result that customers intuitively just get as an experience. So yeah, I think that that's very interesting again, because then it comes back a bit about, we talked about the customer journey, and then there's an employee journey you mentioned as well yourself. I guess again, that sometimes you can't neglect that actually has to be an employee journey that thought about in the, the design as well. Yeah, definitely. It is, it is a, sh- a shame in a way, but in the squeezed spaces you're often working with, particularly in London, the staff areas are almost always undersized, in my opinion. You know, staff because changing they areas. Are the storytellers, just to Yeah, make yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important, you know, culture starts from your employees and and if you look after your employees, they are the ambassadors for your brand and they will make your customers happy. Um, I remember going to see Grace Dent um, give a talk at the London Restaurant Network about her experience of restaurants and she was asked about what she thought the single most important part of a restaurant was and she kind of paused and thought about it and her response was the service the quality of the service and instinctively I agreed even as a designer but I was trying to work out why you know if you look at the tripod of what makes a restaurant experience so you could say it's the food and the drink it's the service of the people and it's the design or the environment if you look at those three aspects for me the reason that service is most important is because it's the most direct human connection good hospitality is the act of inviting someone into your home preparing them a meal and looking after them but it's not the meal it's the invitation and the way you look after them and it's that direct connection to another another human being that's why we go out to restaurants in many ways Mm. we could we could just order delivery and sit at home but that's not special and that's not as enjoyable and sociable and that doesn't appeal to some of our human desires really the reason service is so good is because it is about this direct human connection and that's also then if you look at the other two design is only ever an implied human connection you know someone's designed it and it could be lovely but unless you have got some details in there that say this is a particular artist or I know that artist or this is a particular maker that's made these things wow that's fantastic it's a detached experience with the food often obviously the chefs are hidden away in the kitchen I do think it's interesting how you know the trend for open kitchens and chef's tables I think that's only ever going to increase because it reinforces good hospitality as in that human connection so yeah I think service which is led by your staff is definitely the most important thing so getting the right culture in there is essential and how we look after them and I do think it is often overlooked 
in the design of a restaurant at the moment. Um, the amount of space we give to, to employees, it's always squeezed. You know, every, every restaurant is working to try and bring together a number of variables and make the business case work and get enough covers in and have they got enough equipment in the kitchen and have we got enough storage and inevitably the back of house staff areas are, are always squeezed. But maybe it isn't necessarily just about that quality of space. I think it's about how you lay out the operation. How can you be as, as helpful as possible in terms of making the space work for the staff? You know, how, what is the relationship between the till station and the pass? Uh, how, how, do, how do staff move around the space and how can they help customers as much as possible? The, the most important part we can do as designers is to make that convenience um, really work for them. What we've seen is often there's a lot of element on the location, mm-hmm. there's a lot of element on the business case, mm-hmm. which is important. No business case or no profit, no no business, no happy staff, no happy customers. Uh, but again, as you mentioned earlier, so when it comes to opening, sometimes they forget that the focus then needs to be on getting that staff really mm-hmm. ready to perform really well that so it could be training just be attention oh definitely and understand that you're actually taking people into a new environment even though if they have experience for the industry they need to pick it up they need to be invested that initial upfront yeah you see that off and come back to that again and retrain and retrain and retrain and because the, the space is only as beautiful as it is but if the people that is using the space or bringing the space alive it's not alive they're shut down maybe they don't feel connected there's nothing that feels kind of more cynical than a beautifully designed restaurant with really apathetic staff i think it just feels like a shell and uh, that's massively unenjoyable i think there's a quote from ray dalio in his book principles where he says new is often a overvalued compared to great and I think you know I will go to a restaurant that's new to try it out I'll go back if it's great and I think that greatness is down to the experience and a lot of that experience comes from the employees now there's so many restaurants in you know let's pick on let's pick on Shoreditch (laughs) there's so many restaurants in East London where the design is consciously you know it's an undesigned aesthetic it's anti-corporate but the food's really good and there's a good warm welcome from people that care that have been working there for a while. That kind of delivering and that customer experience is, is more important than the design in, the, in that context. Another thing that's interesting when you talk about design, there's been a lot of talk about technology. Mm. And we were quite pro-technology and hospitality fabric, but again, we believe that it's not the single solution to everything. And technology is a part of where society is going. Yeah. And you can see you were in a train today, I'm sure there's a lot of people yourself yeah we sucked into this you know mobile phone and mm. digital world how do you see that come into the whole design thing you're talking about creating instagram build places that's actually just making money for people coming taking a picture of sitting next to something you know again you could come back to the idea that i come for the new and i stay for the great i think if if your business is based on you know footfall based on social media they come and take a photo of a blue latte with a, a cat in it and pay you 10 pounds and never come back that is a business model but i, I don't know it, it seems like a lot of work for me i think technology is an interesting one i i really like the way jim collins talks about it in, in good to great where if you look at the study of really great companies who, who have, have pushed on to become kind of world class in the field technology is not even in the top five drivers why they've done it even if they are technology companies it's really about having a purpose and knowing what you're about technology is the amplifier to that so i think if you take that you know great hospitality the idea of hospitality hasn't changed in thousands of years human beings haven't changed we we all are born with this 
kind of sense of status anxiety we're all looking for ways to feel important and valuable as human beings some people find that in belonging and community some people find it in religion some people find it in the pursuit of money some people find it in the pursuit of fame so that plays out in restaurants in terms of people that really like the local coffee shop people that like the status place that's just opened around the corner so for me technology as a as a tool you need to be thinking about how it reinforces your purpose for what type of restaurant you are trying to open clearly if you are working on a quick service restaurant then people like Vita Mojo come to mind and that was a really fascinating podcast episode as well I know he talks about every every business the future is going to be a tech-led business Mm. and I I don't agree I think every business needs to be a purpose-led business amplified by tech I don't even actually believe that Vita Mojo is a tech company I think their purpose is to move from food and hospitality Mm. from mass production to personalization (laughs) and they're doing it through technology and software but that you know Nick would (laughs) knows more about that than I do so that's just that's just my opinion but I think technology in that sense the 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 average bar is clearly going to to lift in terms of the amount of technology someone needs to use but i just think there's a danger that technology and data become a cult and we kind of become all worshipping to this idea and then they're tools you know as a design agency we use software autocad and visualization software that 20 years ago would have seemed like you know absolute you know magic um, but we use that technology on a day-to-day basis does that mean that we're a tech-led company i don't think so i think we're you know we're about creating you know excellent hospitality experiences um, and we use technology to do that um, for me technology really succeeds where it melts away into the background the google search engine who, whoever thinks now about the miracle of how that works contactless payments it's where it streamlines our daily life that i think it, it be kind of becomes the most interesting piece how will technology play out i, I don't know i think it is, it is an interesting one i think it is one that we need to be aware of but i just think it applies more and more to different concepts they're always going to be the niche the outliers um, who go very big on tech so you look at the robot burger concept and you look at people like Spice in Boston who have, the, you know, the whole menu is made by a kind of automated machine. Mm. That's fine. But is that going to become the norm? I don't know if it, I don't know if it is. Looking at that from the fine dining side is, will my experience of going and having a nine course tasting meal at Restaurant Story be improved by technology i can't see that immediately because the experience is about being special and being looked after by human beings that's part of the joy of that so i think the technology in that sense is where it becomes about joy rather than convenience i think there's a more questionable fit and what it can actually achieve i think i think we're very aligned on this uh, and i think there's something about the technology can help you do the heavy lifting i often say how can it save you time and money how can it go in the background as you said and actually just become that thing that releases you mm. to set better excellence. Mm. Because I actually think restaurants, great restaurants, or Jim Collins, you, you mentioned, what he found in that search, that that was actually these businesses didn't have a breakthrough technology. They were just continually setting new and better standards mm. every day. And they got this swing wheel effect things and they just kept on pushing ahead small steps small steps of course they had a business model that worked and all the basics but the thing was they led from a very strong purpose that they knew they were going in the right direction Mm. as long as they were winning the game and setting new standards for excellence so i think there will be the outliers you're saying they will do the the amazon and the the, yeah i think so i think the other thing around 
you know, data, you know, big data is obviously quite a, a, a large topic that's given a lot of coverage at the moment. Clearly, using data, which you obviously convert to insights, because there's no point having data without, without insights out the back of it, that is going to bring a level of rationality to some otherwise emotional guesswork that, that may well go on. So you clearly you can see that there's huge positives in there. But my concern with some of that, particularly maybe at the early stages of using it, is that it's probably going to lead to a slightly more homogenous landscape because you're going to be picking out the patterns from that data and then conclusions are going to be relatively similar so you start knocking off all the rough edges and maybe some of the concepts that are a bit more outlandish don't happen because the algorithms don't say they're going to work so my concern you know as a slightly romantic idealist in in, in the kind of hospitality world is that we end up if you just solely follow that data and that insight and look at the the probabilities of which direction is going to be right that people don't take the big bets and they don't try and do something you know massively different um, and therefore does that end up stifling potential innovation because you're going for the certainty of optimizing an experience i think you know the big data and analysis also it applies different if you've got 10 sites it's very clearly more relevant to you to look at that data than if you're starting up your first restaurant you know i think if you're starting your first restaurant you don't need the same technology and the same systems because if you care and you're there and you're passionate you should be there you know like like danny meyer says you should be taking in all the dots all the bits of information and putting them together whether it's how you serve your customers or how your operation's going you need to live and breathe that and it's about the feedback machine we mm-hmm. talked about earlier so on your journey who do you get inspired by besides a lot of great books Yeah, that. So, who's your hero in a way? Where did you find your inspiration from? You know, improving your excellence. It's really looking at people from other fields. That's partly one of the you know the origins of creativity. Creativity is about I like the definition of creativity is um, being able to think round corners or kind of that lateral thinking idea. You get that by looking at other industries and how they approach things. I'm really fascinated by you know a lot of the stuff they do in Silicon Valley and seeing how different businesses like uh, even Airbnb, you know, you look at how they set up their business um, and you look at the way they talk about initially just doing it all themselves running around and they were obsessed with creating the 11 star experience so they kind of mapped out what an 11 star customer experience would be obviously completely crazy over the top and then engineered down the 20% of that 11 star experience that would give them 80% of the amazing quality built that into their business and then scaled it through technology so I, I think looking at adjacent industries is is always very fascinating I think Tim Ferriss's podcast is, is a very interesting collection of different people from the kind of philosophical to the business world so those guys are very interesting I think you know, Danny Meyer setting the table is a fantastic book interesting for me because it really cemented an idea of what hospitality should be as opposed to service I don't think before I read that book I really understood or I hadn't, hadn't really given much thought to the difference of that and the kind of really human quality of good hospitality Four Seasons book's been fantastic Camilla Laura Sitwell's book is uh, is fantastic bespoke as well in terms of looking to where the future's going to go hero wise I don't know if I would think of it in that in that in that sense to be honest i think beyond that i think it's yeah looking at people who are doing interesting things and have the the courage to take those risks and see where it takes them and be constantly learning i think the people i respect the most are the ones who are constantly on this journey to to be better and that's something i've become slightly addicted to in the in the last 18 months to be honest and a good thing Yeah. Uh, in goal here you can just continue yeah no absolutely I mean that's that, that's what we want to do I mean we've set that that goal for ourselves um, and we want to obsessively research that and find you know clients that we can can help do that and, and see how we can 
help create those concepts and then optimize those concepts and really create spaces that are a fantastic experience for customers because that's where we can add the most value to help them on their journey to being successful and also i mean the interesting thing for that is now i'm just meeting many other people who can deliver on the other 19 steps once you get away from thinking oh well we control the whole customer experience and you take a step back and be a bit more objective we can now you know recommend different partners that can help on the marketing side or on the uh, the, the contractor side or finding locations or the training of staff or all of that which is enjoyable from my perspective i think the, the more helpful we can be to, to clients the, the better the end result we're all going to get so we designed um, a, a swedish restaurant probably say about four or five years ago now and it was an old gate east and um, he was a, an accountant who got made redundant and he had some money and he wanted to do this he was swedish um, and he found this location and we worked with him on the design and he did it all properly. The design was nice. It's called Smacker. It's on our, on our website. Um, he started with breakfast and lunch and he opened and he was doing stuff on Instagram and marketing and he was doing okay. And then we found out like sort of three, four years later, he'd, he'd closed down. And I don't know why, why that is. But I suspect it's probably because the location wasn't great because they were doing a lot of development around there and the residential hadn't kicked in enough to support his business. But that seems like a great shame to me. There are a lot of good hospitality businesses that fail because they don't really understand the whole big picture of how that goes in. Instances like that reinforced in me, well, actually, I don't know the whole big picture there. So I want to make sure I know other people that do and that can fill in the gaps that we don't know so that we minimize the chances of that happening for our for our clients. I think, I think it's very interesting because there's both, you know, the customer journey with all the steps that have some touch points and then you have all the touch points on the employee journey. So, mm. so what we discovered a couple of years is that even though many of us have a lifetime of experience, there's still so much to learn. The more experience you get, the more comfortable you become saying, well, I don't know all the answers. Mm. Well, I can find out. Yeah, well, I can find out, and I know who to ask, and I know what questions to ask. I think it's actually it's a kind of sign of ego and insecurity if you're unable to <laughs> to hold the idea that maybe you don't have every answer. Yeah. Um, and, and what a boring life it would be if you didn't know all the answers. Uh, how are you gonna? What are you gonna do? <laughs> you clearly know it all. Yeah. It is interesting, and, and then obviously you know, our role within that landscape is to help a client create or establish or define the DNA of what experience they want to deliver and then how we can bring that to life in a three-dimensional form. So whether that's the graphics or the signage, the interior, even down to, um, we worked on a restaurant called Taka um, in Mayfair and worked with them even down to choosing the, you know, the chopsticks and the, and the crockery that goes on the table because that's part of the experience. Um, that was setting out, setting out the menu, finding the, the exact menu covers that we wanted to have made to deliver that experience. So controlling that experience is really important to us. And you're capturing the soul, I guess, yeah. of who we're working with. Um, when we were working with Pastor Emily, actually, on the, one of their recent restaurants, we sent across the concept sort of development and just got a text back from the client saying, you know, thanks so much, you've captured our soul. And that's the highest compliment I think we could we could get as designers, that they really feel it's it's them and it's excellent at the same time. You understand them. So on the end of the podcast, David, we always ask our guests for one advice that you think that uh, a leader or an entrepreneur in the hospitality and restaurant industry need to mm. get it. So what if you want one advice if you can only give one? Uh, yeah, I can see you're pressing me to just give one. So, <laughs> um, if I was just to give one, I would say know your purpose because I think that defines everything off the back of it. If I was to give one that was related purely to design or if you're going to go and meet designers and architects, it's 
understand your budget. I think one of the the biggest challenges I see is when a concept gets designed without a budget in mind and then someone tries to value engineer that to meet a budget which appears later on in, in the game, you end up with a cheap version of a good concept which feels, the customer experience doesn't deliver, it feels thin, the materials don't feel right, it feels a bit mean. Um, and customers you just feel that subconsciously whereas if you start with a budget even if that's lower than you'd like to work to you can design creatively around that and deliver the experience honestly and authentically to that budget and I think that actually is a big thing and it isn't something necessarily that gets talked about that much and if you are a new restaurateur I don't know you know a lot of people don't know where you can find that information a few months ago we produced an infographic which you can find on our website called how much does it cost to build a restaurant (laughs) Um, and we looked at a 2,000 square foot restaurant in a High Street location in London and we went through an exercise in just picking out the kind of bands that you might look at so there's if you're a startup restaurant or if you're a kind of professional restaurant or if you're a premium restaurant how much might you look to spend on the different areas and what a kind of cost per square foot might be it's a broad brush guide but in the spirit of being as helpful as possible. And it was one of the first questions we always get, oh, how much does it cost? How much does it cost to build a restaurant? So if anyone wants to know, please go and look at that, <laughs> download it. If you have any questions, give us a shout. That was too advice, but that's okay. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and traveling down to Brighton. I'm sure we could have continued for hours. That's a lot, that's a lot to dive into, but uh, hope to see you on the podcast in the future as well and see how design evolves with the industry. Thanks very much. Thank you, David, for sharing your insights on how to boost hospitality and restaurant experience through design, as well as your views of the industry in general. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, rate, review, share, or even better, subscribe to one of our channels. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your ongoing assistance. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast with me, Michael Thinker. Tune in next time for another industry interview. In the meantime, find out more about us at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening, and be maverick.